Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Demartini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show that's coming up right next. The following audio is via a Skype call. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Wow. Hey, everybody. Welcome. I want to welcome you to the Dr. Pat Show, Transformation Talk Radio, TransformationRadio.fm. Thank you all for tuning us in, turning us on. So great to have you join us today in this conversation. You know, it's really interesting. Um, I love this time of year. I can't even explain how much I actually love this time of year. Uh, because it is, we're getting into the magic season. Halloween, you all have heard me say this, that Halloween is one of my favorite. And the reason it's one of my favorite times is because I'm a December birthday. Now, Benny is supposed to be playing sad music right here. Why would I? That's not sad. Yeah. Well, think about it. Think about it. All right. December baby. What comes on in December? What is one of the biggest celebrated deals we've got going on here in the USA? Yeah, Christmas. So my folks used to look at a little earlier kickstart for me because they always knew that I'd be bumping up against the holiday season. And so they knew at a young age that I was a little different. I was a little different. I was so different Uh, that they said, you know, we're going to start to do a little bit more with this child around Halloween. So Halloween has become sort of one of my favorite times of the year for a lot of reasons. One is we start to talk about it way early, like early in October. It doesn't actually happen to the end of October. And that's before we jump into Thanksgiving. But what else is it about Halloween in the United States that makes us be like, ooh, well, right now, if you're like me, you've got Roku, you've got um, uh, On Demand, you've got Netflix, you've got Amazon, and if you don't think you're getting enough Halloween stuff going on on there, oh boy. And I'm sure I'm leaving some of these other streaming original series kinds of things out. But the other part of it I loved as a child was books reading books, all sorts of books about this. And today, I am so thrilled we are going to continue the tradition of my childhood. Uh, Judica uh, Illis is joining us here today. The fantastic, well, first of all, there are two books I have here. The Fantastic and Forgotten, uh, Tales of the Supernatural, Strange and Bizarre. We're going to talk about preparing for the magic of Halloween this author and authority on the magic arts. Now, many movies have come out. We have seen it. We have seen uh, Harry Potter just take magic to a level in our contemporary mainstream time that people didn't think could happen. But what is the fascination? 
Well, that's why I'm not going to talk about it. I'm going to bring the expert on uh, to talk about it. Judica, thank you for joining us on the show today. I say it, Judica. I say Judica. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> but whatever good. it is, you be the expert. It's all good. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Pat. Did I did I get your last name right? Yes, Ellis, right? Perfect. Perfect. All right. Perfect. Uh, listen, this is me as a child and you. Yeah. Right? Okay. Yes. What do you through, think was going on with us? What I, was it about you that got you hooked? I went through every ghost or witch story or magic <laughs> story in my school libraries. Literally, I devoured every single book. I And I don't know why. You know, people, I'm asked that all the time, you know, why are you interested in this? But I was just wired like this. I ever, I can't remember a time I didn't dress up as a witch at Halloween from the time I was old enough to to get dressed. It has just always been my fascination. I came from a family where esoteric materials books were available to me, but I'm the one who fell in love with them. They were on the bookshelf, but I'm the one who was just totally enthralled and riveted. And I, I think I'm, I'm actually not that uncommon. I, I get a lot of email from other people who tell me, you know, they just, fell in love with the magical arts of children. And um, I think the luckier people were not dissuaded from this love, and other people mm-hmm. kind of, uh, you know, got in trouble with their parents and their social circles. And I, I was very blessed, and no one ever told me. I couldn't read or practice. My sister brought home tarot cards, and no one ever took them away from me. I was six, and I just <laughs> fell in love with them. You know, every... Every movie, well, the exception of the Wizard of the Wizard of Oz, which, yeah, uh, that was a hard movie for me. That I I, I felt so bad for the witch. Um, yeah, <laughs> but every book, every TV show, every cartoon, the witch, you name it. Even now, you stick in a witch in an advertisement, and I'll take another look. You know, I may or may not buy the product, but I will. But I'll consider it. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, you and me both. I mean, are we surprised about and let's just talk. I know it's a little diversion, but maybe not. You know, are we surprised uh, at what's happening in our pop culture right now? I don't really know how to call the money anything but a pop culture. It's yeah. really not because the alternative side has always been tapped into this. You know what I mean? Well, you, you know, really when we talk about the arts, we've always been. But our pop culture right now, are you a little shocked at our fascination with either the supernatural, the no. occult? I mean, my gosh, we got a female Van Helsing in our own TV series. <laughs> I know. No, and it is pop culture. Um, and, you know, that's another question I get asked a lot. You know, do your, did your family disapprove of your esoteric interests? And no, they absolutely did not. What they disapproved of was my love of pop culture. They oh. thought that was a little down market. You know, I come from, yeah. you know, they, they thought I should be reading more serious books and looking at more serious art. And I just love TV and comic books. Yeah, um, me too. <laughs> no, it doesn't surprise me. I think that, I think whenever a society is free, that interest shows up. That that love and fast or fear, you know, not everyone reacts the same way. Love mm-hmm. or fear or fascination with the mysteries of the universe, the secrets, the mystical secrets of the universe, 
that's something that I think is, is really a human trait and a really ancient human trait. Go, go yeah. all over the world. What are you going to find? Ghost stories. Everybody's yeah. got a ghost story. So, yeah. you know, whether, regardless of what the perspective is on that story, but the fascination exists. So I think that when you don't see that public fascination, it tells you something. I mean, it tells you you're kind of in a repressive society. So I, mm. I, I think it's good. I think those, those interests are good things. Oh, uh, you know, let's talk about the book for a minute, because I, I know that uh, many folks, if you just tune in, fasten your seatbelt here today to fantastic and forgotten tales of the supernatural, strange and bizarre. Uh, and, you know, what I love about what you've done in this book is you dedicate the book. Uh, I, I love the dedication, you know, who taught me to love a, 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 yeah, a good dad. short story, you know, Zoltan uh, uh, Illis, right? Yeah, my father, and yeah. I have to tell you, I am loving how the short story is coming back in play yeah, me too. right now. Are you me loving too. that a little bit? Yeah, very much. Very yeah. Much. Um, and then I opened the book and I didn't expect this book to be what it is <laughs> no, I, right the short stories that you put in this book starting out with oh one of the all-time faves yeah you know the the guy that started it all yeah, yeah twilight yeah whatever dracula right yeah. yeah i did that deliberately yeah that's just gonna ask you yeah yeah uh, i used to be a disc jockey once upon a time <laughs> one of my earlier incarnations and i sort of tried to arrange these stories in the way that I would have arranged music once upon a time. I wanted oh. to start with a good opening and, and close with a strong, you know, a strong closing yeah. um, and, and sort of put the more obscure things in the middle. But yeah, Dracula's, Dra yeah, that's, that's uh, Dracula's guest, which yeah. is, um, it's a standalone story. You don't have to have read Dracula. And if you're, you know, one of the few people on earth who has never seen a Dracula movie, you can, you can still read the story. It stands all by itself. But mm. it, this was a chapter that had been left out of the book. And after yep. Bram Stoker died, his widow published it. And it's, just, it's a fantastic story. I didn't know that. But I'll tell you what. I'm thinking about here at, you know, Abraham, uh, Brahm, some people say yeah. I'm from New York. I say Bram Stoker, yeah, <laughs> uh, right? I I'm thinking about this and I'm thinking about him now, kind of looking at what's going on and seeing our fascination, yeah. our absolute obsession with vampirism yeah. now combined with vampirism, zombieism. He's really the one who brought I mean, vampires that existed, you know, since time immemorial, it's an ancient wor word. There are folk vampires in Turkey and the Balkans and Central Europe, but they're nothing. They're not suave. You know, they're not glamorous. They're they're creepy and they bring disease. Mm -hmm. Bram Stoker, and I, I call him Bram too, but I'm yeah, from New York too. <laughs> um, Bram Stoker was really the one to, and, and he had never been to Transylvania. People don't realize this. He was able to, to weave these legends into something that really, really captured the modern imagination and, and mm. still does. It's really amazing. 
Yeah, yeah, it's we're, we're we're talking about you know an aspect of the supernatural mm -hmm. that I consider supernatural on steroids, really. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. You know, you, you know, I don't know how old you are, but I know as a kid oh, growing no, up, I'd be I able to watch, watch all the reruns, Abbott and Costello, yes. Dracula, Frankenstein, and the yeah. Werewolf. Yes. I mean, isn't that the greatest combination that you yes. can possibly have? Oh yeah, oh yeah, and he just created this this icon so fully formed that really didn't exist before. That's not what vampires were until Bram Stoker. I, it, you know, it's just really, it's an incredible, incredible feat. Mm. Well, we're going to talk about this and much more. We're going to share some stories. We have a copy of this book uh, to give away as well. But the question mark really is for us now, are there lessons to learn from this? You know, are there things about Halloween that the history, the spell of it, if we could even talk about that, you know, what is it about this that emerged in our culture as one of the most revered? And I got to tell you, I grew up in, you know, New York, West Village. This is definitely in the West Village of Manhattan, the most popular holiday with parade and everything we're going to take a short break and we come back what is the history of this you know why are children drawn to halloween beyond anything you read in a textbook anything you learned and how is it one of my faves actually made the book stay tuned we'll be right back Dr. Brie Gibbs is a fourth-generation high priestess with the knowledge to raise your vibration in conscious creation. Offering a wide variety of services from goddess light and shamanic healing seminars to private reading sessions, Brie works with you so you too can stand in your own power. Isn't it about time you took your life into your own hands? For more information about Brie's services and products, visit silvergaia.net. That's silver, G-A-I-A dot Wow. Hey, everyone. Welcome. Uh, welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. I'm telling you, I got to pinch myself some days because when each of us gets called to do something that we so not thought was in our real house to do for a purpose that's so much greater than us, we get to show up and shine. If you would like to show up and shine on the Dr. Pat Show as a co-host or sponsor, send us an email to inspire at thedrpatshow.com. Tune in to the Angels and Answers Psychic Radio Show with Clairvoyance Artie Hoffman and Sky Siegel every Thursday for a two-hour show, 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Transformation Talk Radio. Artie and Sky deliver spiritual and motivational messages with passion and a sense of humor. Call in 800-930-2819 for live and on-air readings. Visit ArtieHoffman.com and SkyOfAngels.com. Are you anxious Worried or insecure? Hi, I'm Dr. Friedman Schaub. I'm the author of The Fear and Anxiety Solution. Join me for my next breakthrough video seminar, which starts on September 10th. This program has helped thousands of people worldwide to overcome their struggles with anxiety, and I'm certain it can also help you. If you're ready to be free again, 
and have a stronger foundation of inner peace and confidence, visit thefearandanxietysolution.com. Tune in to Lucid Planet Radio with Dr. Kelly Neff. This hit show will illuminate your senses and empower you beyond your daily stressors and hardships. Renowned psychologist and author Dr. Kelly will captivate you with far-reaching topics and amazing guests as you wake to the greatest version of yourself. Learn to tap into your intuitions, think critically about our world, heal emotional and psychological wounds, and follow your passions to live your dreams. The Lucid Planet. Welcome home. Visit lucidplanetradio.com for more information. Are you ready for a game changer? Sarah Westall is bringing you Business Game Changers Radio. Sarah brings you leading experts, visionaries, and newsmakers who provide the best commentary on big issues and cutting-edge innovations. Sarah's 20 years as a business executive will help you think like an entrepreneur with expertise, energy, and attitude. Tune in to Business Game Changers Mondays at noon Pacific, 3 Eastern, on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Oh, that's so perfect, Benny. Thank you. Preparing for the magic of uh, Halloween, Halloween, it doesn't matter. It's the same thing. It's the same day. It's the same day every year. We don't change it to put it on a Monday or a Tuesday or whatever day we, you know, move things around. It's October 31st. There's a reason for it, but I, I'm going to let the uh, expert joining me here today. Judica Illis is here. She is the author of this fabulous. This book is fantastic. I cannot wait to sit down on Halloween, turn on the candles, turn the lights down, turn on the gas fireplace and uh, dig in and finish reading this. Um, I'm going to reread it because some of the stories we're like, wow, that is awesome. I, I want to ask you a question. First of all, would you tell people how they can find out more about you and how they can get a copy of the book themselves? Oh, thank you. Sure. Uh, the book is available wherever fine books are sold. Uh, mm-hmm. Very well distributed. Uh, and I can be found, I'm all over the web. My website, is, it's my name, www.judikaillef.com. And I'm on Facebook, I'm on Twitter, I, I can be found. And I do answer if, if people email me. I'm a little slow sometimes, depending on my travel schedule, but I will answer. Oh, I love it. And for those of you out there, we're going to give a copy of the book away here today as well. I want to tap into what we were talking about during the break, but also the fascination, first of all, the fascination with this particular day of the year. What is it that happened to make this so popular? Where did it all begin? The roots of American Halloween. And, mm-hmm. you know, there are places around the world where it's still, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's a religious holiday and it doesn't have the festive aspect that, that we have today mm-hmm. here, in, here in the U.S. and in Canada and increasingly in Western Europe and even in Mexico. The roots derive from the ancient Celtic calendar. The ancient Celtic calendar, the pagan calendar of the Celts, uh, especially in Ireland and uh, the British Isles, was divided in half. So what we consider one year was two years from the, for them. And there was a bright half, which would begin in the spring on May 1st. And there was the dark half that began on the eve, October 31st, going into November 1st. And it was believed to be a time when... Um, People hibernate, essentially. You know, it's 
the weather is poor and you're going to stay inside and you're going to light this candle, it is the time that the ghosts walk. It's the time that family members would um, come back to visit their loved ones. It wasn't originally perceived as necessarily as a scary holiday. You see this in Mexico with the Day of the Dead, which corresponds roughly in time, that sense that loved ones will come back and visit. It was the season of telling ghost stories. This um, this timely. Also, you know, beginning of Halloween throughout the winter, it's the time to tell a scary story, um, and it is the time. It is the time where the veil that is perceived as between the worlds of the living and the dead, the mortals and the spirits, becomes very sheer. And if you want to contact beings of other realms, this is the time to do it. And if you don't want to contact them or you don't want them to contact you, this is the time to protect against it. And you'll see, um, for instance, the roots of a jack-o'-lantern. In back in Ireland, these were originally turnips. You had to carve a turnip, not a pumpkin. And oh. it, it's a lot harder to carve a turnip. But those are intended to keep the ghosts away. They're intended to keep, you know, so so if you don't want any visitations, if you're a little mm. like Scrooge and you don't want those ghosts of the past and the present and the future showing up on your doorstep, you would put a, 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 a jack-o'-lantern carved out of whatever vegetable on your doorstep to, you know, let them know they were welcome and to keep them away. And oh, my our, gosh. A lot of our practices derive from these ancient roots. And we've forgotten the roots, and now they're just kind of fun. Even, you know, mm. the, all the um, the rides through um, cornfields. You know, I used to oh. live in California, and you have all the, you know, the, the rides that you take the kids on um, through the pumpkin paths and the, and the corn. Those derive, this is the harvest time. For, for, you know, and harvest is associated with death because if you perceive plants as alive, then it's the sacrifice of the wheat, the sacrifice of the corn. These are all things I talk about in one of my other books, the Encyclopedia of Witchcraft, because mm-hmm. they're, they're fascinating topics. But these are vestiges of really, really ancient practices. And I think they resonate with us on a subconscious level, even if we don't consciously know what it is that we're doing Mm. you know what i'm struck by two things and uh first of all i never knew why my stepmom would always work on the turnip so it's (laughs) fascinating you're talking about this right yeah you know i i never really understood that but here's what i learned about it you know it's really kind of interesting because i still have a little fascination with it you know uh, it depends on what you get turnip lard rutabag or whatever They've got this waxy surface mm-hmm. to it, yeah. you know, you know, like the wax. And yes. my mom would do some interesting stuff with the wax, like burning it a little and stuff. And I, and I never really, and I would say to her, why, you know, I, gee, we all want pumpkin like everybody else. She said, but, oh, gee, look what we could do with this. So we always had both. And, and then the other thing I'm struck by is your, your the, the other book that I have, the big book of practical mm-hmm. spells, Everyday Magic That Works. I was so fascinated by this book because, and I want to mention it here before we, we go on. This is not just about um, what people might think. I went in here and I found some of my mom and my grandma's, oh, wow. what do we want to call them? Remedies. Yeah. 
right? Tell us a little bit about this, because I really think that people don't really know how often they're truly using this in their lives now. Our whole culture is just permeated with magical practice. Even if people, you know, there were times where it was not acceptable or safe to speak Mm -hmm. about it. And so it wasn't necessarily explained or discussed. But when things work, people don't like to stop doing it. And they don't like to not teach their children. So there's a lot of, there are a lot of hidden arts. You know, what you describe as remedies in North America, you know, which tends to be a negative word until very recently. People, mm. you know, you go in and you say, you know, I'm a witch or my mom is a witch. People can take that a lot of different ways. But a, a, a very traditional way of saying a, a magical practitioner in America is to say a root doctor. And a root doctor, what a root doctor doesn't cast spells. A root doctor mm-hmm. has remedies. What you were saying about the wax, you know, there are, yeah. there are whole schools of divination using wax. Yeah. You melt wax and you see what kind of shapes it makes. And, you know, if you do candle burning spells, one of the things you do at the end, it's not just a candle burning spell doesn't just mean burning the candle. There, There's more to it. And one of the things you do at the end is examine the wax. Yeah, that's, that's right. kind of a shape it makes. Or if you're not happy with the shape, you can reshape it and, and do something with that wax. I mean, I was thinking about, you know, I, I have carved a turnip, and you have to be very careful because you can cut your hand. Very much careful. Easier. Yeah. Much you need a small power tool. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you think about the history of that, you know, because carving a turnip or a rutabaga is a lot harder than yeah, carving is. a pumpkin that. Essentially, you know, it, it's very pliable, a pumpkin. But these these ancient, you know, if you come out and ask people, do you have spells, often they'll become very offended. And I know that personally because I have a really large book of spells called um, Encyclopedia of 5,000 Spells. Wow. And I, I got many of those spells from other people. And I would ask them, uh, you know, do you have a spell? And people would be very, some people would be very, very offended. We don't have spells. We're not that kind of a person. Mm. But but they would then give me a remedy. <laughs> or they'd give me a little recipe or a little yeah. formula. It, it's all semantics. You know, they, yeah. they didn't like the word, but they, but they had some. It's very interesting. Well, you know, I, I, we're going to talk about this in much more when we come back. But... If you had to pick you all out there, uh, I actually mentioned her yesterday on the show. If you had to pick a modern day witch, as we like to to say, if you had to pick one, uh, who might that be? Someone that's been prominent, uh, pretty much out there, and did a stint in one of the versions of America Horror Story that we did. Uh, with, and I, I don't even want to begin to talk about that show. Let's take a short break. When we come back, we're going to hear about Halloween. What are some of the rituals? What do we do? And we're going to find out who else is in this book. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Come to
Are you searching? Looking for a sign? A message you need to hear? From the great unknown? From the most mysterious place? That is the most familiar to your soul in the depths of who you are? The universe puts someone here to talk to. Someone God gave a blessing to that you may find insight with. TheAngelLady.net. 1-800-323-1790. Tune in to The Michael Shane Show, the third Tuesday of each month at 11 a.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com and connect with the ascended beings to raise your vibration and manifest the life you desire. Get ready to receive healing through the transphysical mediumship of Reverend Michael Shane and the ascended beings. Visit MichaelShane.com. That's M-Y-C-H-A-E-L, Shane.com, and call 425-971-6632 to schedule your full healing session now. Dr. Brie Gibbs is a fourth-generation high priestess with the knowledge to raise your vibration and conscious creation. Offering a wide variety of services from goddess light and shamanic healing seminars to private reading sessions, Brie works with you so you too can stand in your own power. Isn't it about time you took your life into your own hands? For more information about Brie's services and products, visit silvergaia.net. That's silvergaia.net. Hi, this is Leslie Fontaine. What in this very moment are you creating or drawing to yourself? Notice your field when you desire something. Are you in agreement from your emotions to your power center to your sense and desire of security? Do you second guess your intuition or even shut it down? These are clues to what you are about to create. What you have done so far is already here. Every block is a clue, and your heart's desire is there to transform it. Are you ready to shift? If you are, visit LeslieFontaine.com, and let's talk about unfolding all that you want to be, do, and have. You'll find sessions, classes, audio products to help remove the blocks and move you into your potential. And listen to my show, Sheer Alchemy, on Transformation Talk Radio, Wednesdays at 10 Pacific, 1 Eastern. Holistic Medical Center is where you find it all. A healthy space with doctors who care, see, and listen to the whole you. Hi, this is Dr. Darvish. If you have not found an answer to your chronic symptoms, you will find answers here at Holistic Medical Center. Our doctors find the root cause of your symptoms and guide your body towards healing naturally. We transform lives from within. Visit drdarvish.com or call 425-451-0404. Hey, everybody, welcome back. How much fun are we having preparing for the magic of Halloween? And this is fantastic. You know what, Benny? Let's go ahead and give a copy of the book away to our first caller. The book is The Fantastic and Forgotten, Tales of Supernatural, Strange, and Bizarre. And they're short stories, and they're amazing. Um, And we're going to talk about some of the short stories that are in here because when I got the book, I was thinking to myself, wow. This isn't just about short stories. These are people that we know, but we didn't know that they were writing this stuff. 
so let's do it. 1-800-930-2819. 1-800-930-2819. I'm here with uh, Judica Illis joining me here today. You know, I got to ask you the question, Judica. I got to ask you this question. I, I know that you've picked these stories in a specific way or how you how you've picked them. Do you happen to have a favorite? Do you happen to have one where you said, I cannot leave that one out? The Marie Corelli story, uh, The Lady with the Carnation. Because Mm -hmm. uh, I read Marie Corelli as a child, and she is, you know, the premise of this book is they are fantastic and forgotten, but they're not all forgotten. They're all fantastic. But, you know, W.B. Yates, who is in it, is not forgotten. Bram Stoker is not forgotten. Marie Corelli was once a bestseller. She was, you know, almost the J.K. Rowling of her time. Yes. And she is truly forgotten now. And I I read her as a child, and I just, there, there are these sort of spiritual love stories. And they made such an impression on me as a kid that I was very, very happy to be able to share, to share those with, you know, the world, and hopefully she'll be a little less forgotten. Yeah. You know, what's interesting about her is that if she were alive in modern day time, you're right, she would be the JK of our time. Because even back then, you know, she was, I I don't remember exactly, but I think she, in monetary value, she was one of the top bestsellers around, right? Millions, right? Yeah. Yeah. She was more popular than Arthur Conan Doyle, Queen Mm. Victoria's favorite writer, Winston Churchill read Mm. her. She was she was truly, truly a bestseller, and after World War One, she sort of started to fade away, and that type of fiction became less popular. But she's, you know, she really is a fabulous writer. She's a lot of fun, and it's it's a it's a that particular story is a, it's a very romantic ghost story, and I I, yeah. I liked it. Um, I, I I was not in the mood when I was picking the stories. For, for disgusting stories, and a lot of a lot of horror stories are, and I just somehow <laughs> was not in the mood for it. So we have a lot of good mysteries here, a lot of romantic stories, a lot of evocative stories, some you know spooky stories. Uh, I, somebody told me um, my cousin got an early copy, and he told me he he decided he was no longer going to read it before he went to sleep because it oh yeah no. <laughs> no but um. But, but no. um, I, I love that with Marie Corelli. It's just this sort of romantic, romantic, but, but mysterious story. Very, a lot of the stories are very much about the relationship between the living and the dead, which is so suitable for yeah. this time of year. And, you know, what, what we owe to each other and what we can expect from each other. Yeah, I, I am. I want to ask you a question, uh, first of all, uh, about what you tend to do. I mean, think about it. People start planning for Halloween. You know this. They start planning. You know, Benny's going to probably dress the boys up. I don't know. But we start planning. We get to be kids again. It doesn't matter what age. We dress up. You know, clearly this holiday has changed throughout the years for us. But the essence of it has not. And I wanted you to ask you, isn't this ritualistic in its very nature? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, my kids, when they were younger, 
used to go to Oticon in Baltimore, which is the big anime convention. And yeah. I saw something so fascinating there. Um, there was a point as the con was beginning where these kids, and they're, and they're all dressed up. It is sort of very Halloween. You've got a lot of kids who actually have taken a lot of care with their, and adults, who have taken a lot of care with their costumes. And left to their own devices, they began a procession. They just started marching in, in, in mm. procession through these halls and through, through you know, the, the Baltimore Convention Center. And it was fascinating to me because, you know, how parades and Mardi Gras, they all derive from the rites of Dionysus mm. back thousands of years. But these kids didn't know that. And no one said, okay, let's, let's you know, form a line and start walking. They just did it spontaneously. And I think there's a lot of that spontaneous wiring associated with times of the year and certain kinds of behavior. And, you know, I actually, I am in New Jersey, and we did change the date a couple of years ago because Hurricane Sandy blew through. Right. Halloween was canceled and then rescheduled for, you know, a week later. And I did see some children attempting to trick-or-treat that week later, but somehow the magic was out of it. And I think that there yeah. is something, the date, the time of the year is really, there's a portal for a kind of an energy. And so, you know, what you were saying was so, so absolutely correct. We don't change that day to make it more convenient. Oh, let's do it on a Monday or a Tuesday. Right. It, it, there is something so profound about the time and the day. And, you know, I have trick-or-treated in Los Angeles where, you know, it's not cold and there are no right. leaves on the ground, but it's still so magic. Right. Um, and I think that's one of the best places to go trick-or-treating because it's the place where people are, um, people are playful. There are many playful and artistic, creative people there, and it really enhances the holiday. Oh, yeah. So uh, yeah. it's just such a, such a magic, magic time. I, and, and it used to be a romantic festival. If you look at old Halloween postcards, very much like Valentine's Day. A lot of spells invoke, you know, finding your lover, finding true love on, on this night. Um, and there used to be, you know, there are a lot of spells, you know, to see the state of your relationship. Uh, old folk magic spells, you put two chestnuts side by side in the hearth in a fireplace. And depending how they pop or if they pop, that'll let you know if your lover is faithful or, you know, is a good match for you or if you should go look for someone else. A lot of very romantic themes around this holiday, which I think will surprise people because, uh, you know, a lot of it is now just, you know, it's just sort of horrific and gore and, you know, it's all about zombies and the dead. But it's a very multifaceted holiday. Oh, yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I don't really object to the zombie and the no. dead thing. I, I think we're getting super creative. Yeah. And what I mean by that is, and maybe you can chime in, Usually zombies and you, you don't really, what, what's the word? You don't really humanize them. You know mm. what I mean? You don't humanize them. 
We've got shows where they're actually popular, like highly rated shows on television, where they're not only humanized, but they're now a society. What is it about us as human beings um, that you see us? What is it about us that's changing? I mean, why did we so embrace Twilight, right? I think it's our nature to humanize. I think it's what we do Mm. with everything. I mean, you know, I've got, you know, postcards of cats and clothes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my it gosh, our, that's true. You know, you know, cute little cats in the kitchen. Um, so it is, I think that's part of our nature. But, you know, the modern zombie, very much like what we were speaking about, Bram Stoker's vampire, it's evolved. The zombie that we see on television is not the zombie that has the basis in folklore and folk history because, you know, the zombies, you know, come from Haiti. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's a good book. Um, yes. The Serpent and the Rainbow, uh, it, the book version rather than um, the movie, which has a different story. But, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, they're, they're essentially, they're not dead. They're, they're, they've been drugged and revived and are brain damaged and are forced to be slaves. As opposed to the, the modern mythos of the zombie which has taken on a life of its own, very similar to the vampire, very similar to mummies. You know, mummies are embalmed bodies, but if you look at, you know, Abbott and Costello meet the mummy. (laughs) That was good, too. That mummy, the mummies of modern movies and modern stories have taken on a whole different life. And it's really, and real resonance for our time. So it, it's really, it, it's fascinating that, I, I think that, I think that relationship between the spirits, Twilight, because you go from, you know, the the grotesque, creepy vampires of, you know, Romanian folklore, to Dracula, you, you know, you go to Nosferatu, then you go to Dracula, and then Buffy, you know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and then you end up with, with Twilight, and they just become more and more accessible. Um, it's more, more accessible and more, more human as it progresses. And I think it's, I think, I think people in general have become much, so much more tolerant, tolerant of other people and other species and, you know, other, other realms. You know, I think mm-hmm. our, our, there were times where we were forbidden to have any mm-hmm. kind of contact with spiritual entities or, you know, the souls of our ancestors, the souls of the dead. And now this this fascination, the possibility that we could make contact. And if you think of, you know, Edison, you know, so many of Edison's, um, Thomas Edison's his inventions that, you know, were in, intended to facilitate spiritual communication. Yeah. So I think we're just following in those footsteps, and it's going to be really interesting to see where this continues. Well, I want to ask you about this because uh, for two reasons. One is that um, what we've known in the presentation of this in modern times and our pop culture has been primarily embedded in in a male story. So, yeah. for example, Dracula, Frankenstein. Okay, yeah, we did have The Bride of Frankenstein, right? But it was all about her hair, um, <laughs> right? Uh, and, and and we did. And and then it's something started to take a turn. Yeah. And I remember the first time I thought, oh, it's taken a turn 
was in the movie Practical Magic. Mm. But then I remember, wait a minute, who's this Anne Rice lady? Y you know, I mean, like, wh what? why is she writing these? But You know what I mean? This is the brain, right? Yeah. This is me now. But then all of a sudden, now we're seeing this movement yeah. being featured more by women i mean there is a revolt getting ready to go on right now but i mm -hmm. and this is what i understand with what they're getting ready to do with wonder woman yeah. they made her the heroine in in the latest blockbuster now they want to bring her back to 1910 put her in a romance and we're like no yeah is it a it is it a a female or a feminine energy that's doing this? I don't know. What is your I, thought? I think it's a paradigm change in our culture. I think, and I think especially spearheaded by women. I think women are. You know, we were talking before about hair. You know, women are accepting their power and seeing themselves not through the gaze of the other. Mm. You know, but but as valuable and important and powerful individuals i mean i i think you can see this with you know all the you know the tweets of them last week about oh. you, know, you know my my first sexual assault and it's, it's oh my gosh it's there and you know what i know you're not as old as i am <laughs> I, we, we are not surprised no are, are you surprised oh, i'm surprised no. that they're tweeting we've all not been surprised. part of it we oh, have all been part of it. you could that. ask any woman and i i think I think if you are surprised, then you have to question that. How can you be surprised? And I think, and I think there are people who are surprised. There are men who are surprised. Yeah, I and think I they think, are. Well, I think men and women have really led very um, different existences within the same world. Mm -hmm. And so, so this is women retaking their story. I happen to have been rereading Dracula last night. Oh. I'm working on my on my next selection of of stories, and I was just looking. Um, I was I was reading it and it struck me and I've read that book many times, but of course you know it is written from um, it's a book that's written from different perspectives, yeah. um, mostly male, and the mm. way they are talking about Lucy, oh. I saw it differently this time because there is this sort of there isn't a sense of quality to the way they're talking about this poor young woman. And um, it's very prurient, and it's just very, you know, I mean, she's essentially assaulted. And mm. um, and, and her mother... Yeah, she is, isn't she? And, yeah. And, oh, yeah, in and the, story the story and whatnot, too, right? Oh, and all, you know, and it's constantly women who are thwarting Van Helsing's plans. He has plans, and it's women who... Dracula... And yeah. women, women, you know, the, the, the thieving housemaid and the ignorant mother who's been kept ignorant. And it's, it's, it's fascinating. So I think it's really good to, it, it is very valuable for all of us, you know, because we're in this world together. So for men too, for women to reclaim their stories and reclaim their perspectives and to show what it's like for us in this world. Well, I, I think it's going to be healthier for everyone. I actually think that the first story like that is Bewitched, which is really radical, the, the television series. Mm -hmm. That was the first time you have a witch. She's not dressed up as a witch. She, she's, she's kind, and she's nice, and she shows up every, in 
even her mother and Dora, and I, I am old enough to remember that when it first came out, and Dora was the uh-huh. standard mother-in-law joke. And now, this many years later, she's become the heroine for so many people. Mm-hmm. And the older I get, the more I appreciate Dora. But even Dora, as the witch, she loves her family. She's responsible when Sam asks her to take care of the child. You know, she doesn't eat the baby. She, you know, she babysits the baby. And mm-hmm. that, at that time, I think was also a sea change, a different way of considering the archetype of the witch, the character of the witch, what is the witch, because Samantha is clearly the hero of that story. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting. The Dalai Lama uh, had come here a number of years ago. I, I actually got to see um, his presence here. And I remember when he was in the Pacific Northwest, we had a female governor at the time. And uh, and I remember his statement about the women of the West that will bring the leadership and the women of the West that will bring peace, that will bring calm. But I don't think he could have predicted what we're seeing in. Yeah, I'm not talking about a woman running for president. That's not the the totality of what I mean. I'm talking about women coming to the forefront in in ways they hadn't done since some of us went down there in Atlantic City and burned our bras. Yes. And I think there's a magical sense to that. I think there's a spiritual sense to that. I think there is an energy about that. I also yeah. think there's even a supernatural sense about it. What do you think? Oh, I agree totally. And it's about reclaiming, reclaiming your personal power, reclaiming your personal magic, reclaiming, um, y- you know, being who you want to be as opposed to having very limited roles. And and how magic is that? Hmm. Hmm. Um. You know, there are many things uh, that we can talk about. I know, I know the book is, uh, you know, first of all, it's fabulous. Tell us about what you're writing now. What, what is, I mean, are you, are you allowed to give us like a little I, I am working on a, a follow-up to uh, Fantastic and Forgotten mm-hmm. for, for next year at this time. So, so more stories, slightly different, uh, a different variation, different theme, but I hope people will like it. And mm-hmm. um, it, it's a little too soon to announce what that is, but but it it will be announced soon. And I'm working on another another large book. I have several large encyclopedias, and mm-hmm. I'm working on uh, on another big book that I hope will be a complement to my mm-hmm. books on on you know on witchcraft and magic spells, and I you know they all kind of they all stand alone, but they are all kind of uh, pieces of a puzzle together. Mm-hmm. So, I I'm, I I really I'm very blessed to be able to write what I write about. You know, I I, I want to ask you um, one more thing about the direction of this, um, but I think almost everyone is familiar with Salem. Yeah. In some way. Yes. I got to ask you this question: as horrific as that has always been for me. You know, my mother actually died in a fire. And so as horrific as as that is, I often wonder if it had a purpose. And I'd love to hear your thoughts about that. I don't know that it actually did have a purpose. Other, okay. You know, I, I, I'd like to think it did. 
There's so okay. much suffering I... in the world and so many terrible events. I'd like to think mm-hmm. there is a purpose, but, you know, I, I wish people had been kinder and more tolerant. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you, don't you find it fascinating that even with that, even with the level of fear that it instilled in women yeah. loving the earth and bringing the forces of the earth to the forefront to heal, even with that, it could not silence this. Oh, absolutely not. And I don't think it can ever be silenced. And, you know, Salem is just the tip of the iceberg. Oh, I it's know. Not, it's not the only witch trial in the American colonies. Right. Uh, horrific witch trials through virtually all of Europe and the European colonies for centuries. Um, between the 13th century and the 18th century, depending where you were, a witch was being persecuted. And even now, in India and Saudi Arabia and through parts of Africa, terrible, terrible witch persecution. So it really hasn't gone away. Um, and yet, it, and, and I think it's formed. I, I think those witch persecutions have very much formed up until recently. I think we're just breaking out of, it's formed the way women behaved the way they kept their head down, the way they didn't complain about things, the way mm-hmm. you decide how, how much am I going to put up with before I'm going to make a fuss. Because it was dangerous to make fusses about things. And a lot of witch trials are actually not about witchcraft. They, they are about coming up against powerful men or, um, you know, women owning property at a time where, um, you know, a lot of witch trials were about seizing property. If, you know, there's basically a money trail for many witch trials, including at Salem. And yet, and yet, that that desire for magic, that desire for autonomy, that desire to live in harmony with the earth, to to be the best person you can be, to to fulfill your potential, rather than you know, covering it up with that you know the proverbial bushel basket. Uh, it, 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 you know, that never seems to go away. Mm. Suppressed but not extinct. And mm. it's, it's, it's a marvelous, marvelous thing. And I think a lot of what we're seeing today is a reaction to that and and, uh, and an attempt to break free and, and really just to be the best people we can be. You know, witches at their, at their most basic are people of power. And, you know, ideally using that power in ways that are beneficial for, you know, for as, as many as possible, for themselves, for the earth, for wildlife, for other people, you know, mm-hmm. which is our healers, and um, and that ability to to not just to throw away half the world and, and and say that well, you know, you know, if you're female, you're inconsequential. I I, mm-hmm. I think that's a that is that is the that is the tip of it, at least the cultural aspect of witchcraft. Mm. Well, thank you so much for today. Again, please give out your website. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. It's my name, SudikaIllis.com, J-U-D-I-K-A-I-L-L-E-S.com. Thank you. Awesome. And you know what, folks? As we said before, you can get these books just about anywhere. The the Fantastic and Forgotten. Very, very cool short stories. And maybe maybe next time when you come back, we'll talk about one of my favorite peeps as a young child gravitating to Alan Edgar, 
what I'd like to say. I was just going to say J. Edgar Hoover, but that's not who I want to say. Mr. Poe. All right, everybody, we're going to take a shorty. We'll be right back. The preceding audio was via a Skype call. 